For I am crucified with Christ And yet I live Embrace the cross Where Jesus Welcome to Crossbound Ministries where we are bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, encouraging Christians and pointing sinners to the cross. Will you please pray about supporting our broadcast and ministry that gives us the ability to spread God's word. You can get involved by going to crossboundministry.com. Please welcome our preacher, Mike Sadler, as he brings us an important message from God's word. Embrace the love Ruth chapter 2 and verse number 3. Ruth chapter 2 and verse number 3 will be our first text in the Bible. As we're learning about Ruth and her life and how she was obedient and God blessed that and even obedient to her mother-in-law after her husband had died and after after her father-in-law had died and her own husband has died, she still stayed faithful and with her mother-in-law. That is an amazing statement right there, ladies and gentlemen. Ruth was a hard worker. Ruth was definitely not lazy. She was willing to put in the work. I ask you today, are you willing to put in the work? Because Laziness is the enemy. Laziness is the enemy of work and ministry. Laziness will get you nowhere in ministry or in life. But you're certainly, God calls people to do his perfect work. God uses imperfect people to do his perfect work. God wants to use you. Will you allow him? Will you be willing? Will you say, here am I, Lord, send me, as the Bible says. It's true that people have different levels of gifts. People have different levels of responsibility. As you know, there are some good Bible teachers, and there's some real sure enough Bible teachers, and there's some preachers, and there's some sure enough preachers. People have different gifts, different levels of gifts. But you know what every one of us has? It's the exact same that God has given us. Every one of us has 24 hours in a day. Every one of us will be held responsible for what we did with the gift that God has given us. God is not going to hold you accountable to somebody that he has called who has is much more gifted than you, much more talented than you, much more smarter than you, much more spiritual than you. God's not going to hold you to their level. God's going to hold you to what he has given you. So here's what the, the I mean to say with that. You need to worry about you. I need to worry about me. Not what so-and-so is doing or what brother so-and-so down the road. I hope they encourage you. Amen. But do not compare your walk with them. As one very wise preacher, a friend of mine said, we're all going down the same road, headed to the same place, but we're at different mile markers on that road. Not all of us are as spiritually mature as the others. Some are real spiritually mature and some not so much, but we're all headed down that same road that are saved. Amen. 
Each of us will be held accountable for every hour in the day that God has given us. Will we redeem the time that God has given us? Will we make wise choices? Will we make sacrifices to make good choices with that time that God's has given us? You never lay on the couch all day and feel good about it. You just don't. I mean, unless you're just a lazy bum, if you lay on the couch all day, you, you say, man, I feel like a lazy bum. And you don't want to feel that way. Ephesians 5.16 challenges us. God's word challenges us. Whosoever thy hand findeth to do, or whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Ecclesiastes 9.10 tells us. So whatsoever your hand's supposed to do, whatever God's given to you, do that with all your might. Be working fervently. And we can see that Ruth definitely believed that. That old cliche, that old saying that the people would say that the idle hands are the devil's playground. That is so true. When you aren't doing anything, you're probably going to cause some trouble, and more likely it's going to cause your own self some trouble. Let's get busy working for the Lord. You know, we as Christians, we have some of the best excuses, don't we? I mean, we, we can even make our, our excuses, excuses sound super spiritual. Here's one for you. Somebody asks you to do something, and you say, I'll pray about that. But really and truthfully, you open up your Bible, God's already called you to do what they're asking you to do. But you have to, well, I'll pray about that. And you should pray about that. I'm not diminishing that at all. But I am saying, and you know it, that you've used it and I've used it as an excuse. Like, I just don't know about that. I don't, I don't want to get wrapped up in that. I don't want to do that. I'll pray about that. I'll get back to you, brother, on, on that one. Here's another one. Let's wait and see what the Lord does. God says, I'm waiting on you to get up and get in gear and get in doing something. I understand not getting in front of the Lord. I totally understand that. But if I sit on the couch and I say, well, let's just wait and see what God does. God's just going to sit there and wait on me to get up and get to work. Amen. Put your hand to the plow while you're here on earth. Time is is limited nobody's promised tomorrow amen let's make sure that we're making every effort every effort to please the lord and do his work while we're here while we have the time the life the breath the energy and the strength in our body so we as christians we got some great excuses we really do uh there's some here's some 10 best excuses that you can use if you get caught Falling asleep and napping. Number 10. The blood blank told me this would happen when I gave blood. Number 9. This is just a 15-minute power nap that they raved about in that time management course that you sent me to. Here's another one. Number 8. If you get caught napping, you go, Phew. Man, I guess I, I, I smelled the white out just a little too much at the desk there. Number seven, I wasn't sleeping. I was meditating on the mission statement. Yeah, right. Number six, I was testing my keyboard for jewel, resi jewel resistance. Number five, I was doing a highly Pacific yoga exercise to relieve stress. Number four, why did you interrupt me? I almost figured out the solution to our biggest problem. Remember, these are things to do if you get caught napping. Here's number three, the coffee machine is broken. You can say that. Number two, Someone must have put decaf in the wrong spot. 
And here is the absolute number one best spiritual answer you could possibly give if you get caught napping. You can just lift up your head and say, in Jesus' name, amen. Yes, sir. There's the top ten. You might want to use those someday. As I was looking through this list, I also found a list of rules that an employer, this, this blows my mind, this employer, and yes, we are talking about Ruth, and we're talking about hard work, we're talking about putting your hands to the plow. And I tell you, this list of rules so uh, encouraged me, and this was an employer, and his top top like 10 rules the first one was daily sweeping of the floors wash the windows bring a bucket of water now this was an 1872 list of work rules one of them was uh you go to church on the sabbath we will be closed on sunday and you're going to go to church on sunday uh, and if a man a man should have one evening off every evening to to, to court his wife but even if a regular church goer he should get Wednesday night off for church and a night off to court his wife. I thought, man, that, that is amazing to me. Every employee should lay aside from each pay a goodly sum of his earnings for his benefit during his declining years so that he will not become a burden upon the charity of his betters. Wow. Now, this is a job. This is not a church. This is a job. I'm, I'm here to tell you. This list is better than most churches don't even imply this in, in the people that work for them. And that amazed me because it should. We should. Listen to this. Number nine, an employee who smokes Spanish cigars, uses liquor in, liquor in any form, gets shaved at a barber shop or frequent pool and public halls will give me good reason to suspect his worth, intentions, and honesty. The employee has performed his labors faithfully and without fail for a poll of five years. In other words, if, if he's done it for five years and he's been good, he might be worthy of a raise. And even went on that, that you should read your Bible. Make sure you go to church. Man, most churches should, should have that in there too. And hold them to it. Not just have it, but hold them to it. Amen. Now, now on to our text. Ruth chapter 2 and verse 3. She went to the harvest. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers and her hap and was to light on a part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. Ruth went where the harvest was taking place. She knew where the reapers were working. They were gathering the food and she wanted to be part of it. And let me just tell you, it's common for people who are serious about reaping are going to spend time with others that are reaping. They know where they're at. They know what they're doing. They know what they want to be around. You hear me, Christian? Those that are really serving the Lord, those that are really witnessing, those that are living a godly life, you want to be around those people. You'll be drawn to them. You want some of that. And that's what Ruth knew. She wanted some of that. What's in that field Farmers gravitate to other farmers. People who enjoy gardening love to talk with others and, and share their stories. They're, they're drawn to those people. True, fired-up, born-again Christians are drawn to each other. That old saying, birds of the feather flock together, there's, that's, that's the bona fide truth. That's not in the Bible, but it's still a true statement. You're drawn to people that are like you. You're drawn to people who have the same interest. You're drawn to people who have the same goals. You are drawn. Let me tell you, the Bible says iron sharpeneth iron. 
Be careful who you're around because they will rub off on you. They may dull your blade, but when you're around the right people, man, it sharpens you. It makes you stronger. It makes you faster. It makes you wiser. Amen. But when you're around the wrong kind and you let that rub off on you, and it can and it will, it's hard to keep negativity. And here's the perfect example. If you think being around people that are super negative all the time won't rub off on you, then that's saying that you can put on a perfectly white suit and go into a coal mine a hundred foot in the ground and not get a speck of coal dust on you and come out white as snow. You can't do it. It cannot be done. And so be careful. Oh, little ears, what you hear. Be careful. Oh, little eyes, what you see. Hey, that's good for us adults, ain't it? It absolutely is. And that was the case with Ruth. She knew who she wanted to be around. She knew what she was after. And she stayed in the harvest. Ruth chapter 2 and verse 23 tells us, So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of barley harvest and of wheat harvest and dwelt with her mother in law. Now, if I asked all the ladies in the church, uh, who here is going to live with their mother-in-law after their husband's dead and do her bidding, take care of her, watch over? Now, most of them, let's say, you, you're going to be real nice about it. You're, you're going to be spiritual about it. And you're going to say, well, you know, I love her, but we just got to have our own places and got to have a little space between each other. But I love her and I care for her and I pray for her. In the rail right in the back of your mind, you're thinking, I can't live with her. I can't stand to be around her just for dinner hardly. It just, I can't do it. I can't do it. But you'll give a spiritual answer, right? Amen. But here she really was. And, and what, a, what a woman Naomi must have been. Man, she probably was hard for Ruth to be around at times. But in her general character, Ruth knew that she wanted the best for her. It's been well said. People remember how you start and they remember how you finish. And that's a sure enough. You can even think of sports players. People remember how they finish. Because lots of the really super greats, they try to stay in it too long. And they make a fool out of themselves. Or they get washed up. Or they just keep trying and trying. When they should have quit 10 years ago. And their name would have remained great. You remembered how they finished. The same with the Christian. Man pastored a church for 30 years. And all of a sudden at the end, he does something and just blows it and washes his testimony down the drain. People will not forget that. So we find here that Ruth stayed in the field until the end of the harvest. She did not gather a little bit and say, oh, that's enough for today. Uh, she stuck with the job till the harvesting was done. And for us believers today, the harvest time is now. And it will not end till the Lord Jesus Christ comes back, till your heart stops, or till the trumpet sounds. Amen. We need to keep on working, keep on harvesting, keep on gathering. And God clearly states that we are told to occupy, stay busy until he comes. I'm guilty of it, ladies and gentlemen. I start thinking of things like these temporal things that we have around us. You know, you start working for those and you start serving those and you start thinking, man, I'd love to have a nicer truck and I'd love to have a bigger boat and I'd like to have a nicer house and I'd like to... And those are nothing wrong with those things. But I tell you, if they're at the forefront of your mind and your heart, we are not serving God. I, I don't care if you're the pastor of the church. 
If that's at the forefront of your mind, if you're worried more about what people think of you than what God thinks of you, if they're worried about, if you're more worried about how much is in your bank account or how much extra money you can make than you are seeing soul saves or books printed and Bibles passed out and tracts printed and the gospel spread, you might want to back up and go, man, where is my priorities? I'm not saying you're a bad person, a bad Christian, a bad pastor, or any of those things. But I'm simply saying, a lot of times, we can't even see it. Who that you have on the throne of your heart. And a lot of times, if I ain't careful, I put my own self on my own throne of my own heart, and you'll do the same thing if I don't stop and really check my motives and be honest. Listen to me. And be honest with yourself and God. God already knows. He just wants you to be honest with Him. Like a little child with chocolate on his face, and you ask him, did I eat the cookie? No, I didn't touch it. You sure? No, I didn't touch it. And all the while, you know, God's the same way with everything in your life. He already knows. He just wants you to be honest with yourself and with Him. Luke chapter 19, verse 13. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds. And they said unto him, Occupy till I come. In other words, stay busy, stay working. There are a lot of lazy people here today in America. We live in a country where we're so blessed that the blessing has just about hurt us. You remember the story of when you was a kid of the ant and the grasshopper, how the ant worked all summer long. He worked and worked. He's out in the hot heat, sweating his heart out. He's working. He's building a home. He's storing up food. While he knows winter is coming, the grasshopper says, you fool, you're crazy. He bounces around. He has a good time. All of a sudden, winter strikes. The ant's in there with his feet propped up in the recliner with a fire burning. He's got plenty of food, and he's staying warm. Here's the grasshopper outside, withering, got no food, starving to death, and he's dying. He's freezing in the cold. And he dies, and he perishes. Why? Because he was a fool. That's why. But you know, in the modern-day version today, if that happened today in America, I tell you, the ant works hard. He builds a home. The grasshopper says, you're crazy. But then the winter comes, and the ant's inside in his house, and the grasshopper's outside freezing. He'd call up ABC, NBC, NBC, and all them other ones, MSC, and they'd come over and they'd have a camera and they'd show the grasshopper outside freezing. They'd show the ant in his house and they'd say, look at this, this inequality. Look at this. This is so unfair. This is so not right. This is so. And they'd, they'd take what the ant has and they'd give it to the grasshopper because the grasshopper doesn't have anything. And if you didn't see the whole picture, you go, oh, well, that ain't right. But here's the thing. The ant worked for what he had. The grasshopper didn't. The Bible says if a man won't eat, he shouldn't. If a man won't eat, he should. If a man won't work, he should not eat eat that's what the bible says now there's nothing wrong with helping people that are down and out i believe that we should and god has called us to as a matter of fact that's where deacons were set aside it wasn't to run the church and call the vote no if you really read why deacons were were set up in the church it was to take care of the widows so that the apostles and the disciples continue to preach they were supposed to take care of the elderly that was their job that's what they were called to do now, in modern-day churches, they don't do. They run the church. They call the shots. Uh, and I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with having a committee or anything like that. But I'm simply saying, in the Bible, that's why they were called. So that the apostles could continue to preach and that they could tend to the widows and the needy and the orphans of the church. Amen. That's exactly what the Bible says. You can read that in the book of Acts. It was, it was set up. Favored with blessing, she was, and God will favor you with blessings 
You know, we as parents, we delight in the needs of our children, and we'll do whatever it takes to take care of our kids. If you're a good parent, you, you man, you'll come tread hell or high water. You'll work out below freezing or, or 150 degrees to bring home some money to take care of your family. And you will and you should if you're a good parent, if you're a good father. By the way, it's the man's job, not the wife's job. Her job is, she's the Bible says she's the, home, the, take, the caretaker of the home. Now, lots of women work. My wife works, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's not her job. It's my job. It's my duty. If she ever decided I want to stay home, then, honey, you stay home. I'll be totally fine with that. But I know in today's society, sometimes it takes to because it's hard. Every, the price of everything has gotten so high and out of control. But God wants to bless you. And God is much more faithful than me or you. As much as we want to take care of our kids, God is much more faithful than me and you ever thought we could be. And we can rest assured that he'll take good care of his children as well. He goes beyond the basic needs. He saved your soul from the fires of hell. Amen. You put your faith and trust in Lord Jesus Christ. And God, listen to me. God uses people that are just so far out there. The church today would even throw them out. Don't you don't want to let them in here? Good night. You know what they've done. You know what they've their well, their names been. You know what they've been through. But listen to me, God. That's what God uses those kind of people. The famine in Israel. God used Joseph to preserve his family. The escape from Egypt. God, God's people crossed the Red Sea. He used Moses. The wilderness, the wilderness wandering. God provided manna every day. The crossing of Jordan. Again, the Israelites crossed on dry ground. The time of the judges. David. Solomon, Elijah, the widow, all those people are people that God uses. God clearly promises that if we put him first, he will see to it that we'll care for it. He takes care of the birds, the fish, the animals. I, I dare say, even the flowers in the field. And we have no doubt that he'll take better care of us. Because while we are the crown of his creation... Absolutely. We're the only thing that Jesus came to die for. He didn't even make a way for the fallen angels to be redeemed. But for you and for me, for mankind, as sinful as I am, Jesus came and died on that cross so I didn't have to spend eternity in a place called hell. Listen to me. You are precious. I don't care if you're sitting in a bar or you're a prostitute on a corner. You are precious. You are the crown of God's creation. He sent his son to die on the cross to save your soul. Amen. God's word teaches us that every good and perfect gift, gift comes from him. God is the source of all of our blessings. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to see how God meets the needs of both Ruth and Naomi in these and let me tell you, there, there are many people in the Bible God used to meet the needs of others. How about Rahab, the harlot, who lived in the wall, her and her own family? How about Bathsheba, who David had an affair with, murdered her husband, they had a child together? How about Tamar? How about Ruth? Let me tell you, all those people I just mentioned were people that were in the family lineage of Jesus Christ. This is the four family. Yes, Rahab the heart, the prostitute. She was in Jesus's immediate family. It amazes me the people that God uses, the royal line of David. Amen. Can he use you? Absolutely he can use you. It don't matter where you come from, who you are, what your name is, what you've done, where you've been. It only matters where you're going. 
And I, I tell you today is the day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. If you've never been saved, remember what Jesus did on that cross, that he was buried, he died, and he rose again on that third day. And you realize you're a sinner in need of a Savior. You put your faith and trust in him. You ask God for forgiveness. Come to your heart and save you. Then your name will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. If you have been saved or are in need of a prayer, please contact us at 352-247-9200. That's 352-247-9200. Thank you for tuning in to Crossbound Ministries radio broadcast. Will you please pray about supporting our ministry and broadcast? You can go to crossboundministry.com or send your support or a gift to P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. That's P.O. Box 7, Inverness, Florida, 34451. For a gift of $10 or more, we will send you a booklet. Please pray for us as our ministry and radio broadcast grows. Tune in every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. to hear a message from our preacher, Mike Sadler. You can follow Crossbound Ministry on Facebook, YouTube, and visit us on the web at crossboundministry.com. If you are a pregnant woman in need of help, there is hope. You can reach out to the Citrus Pregnancy Center. There are locations in Inverness and in Crystal River. Their phone number is 352-341-5176. That's 352-341-5176. This broadcast has been sponsored in part by Henley's Grading Incorporated for all your land clearing and hauling needs. Located in Hernando, Florida, 352-897-3507. That's 352-897-3507. This program is sponsored by Crossbound Ministry of Inverness, Florida.